Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Thank you. That's the voice of Ryan Treasure, VP of, I call him everything, at Voice America Radio. We're here on the Variety Channel, and this is Read My Lips. And yes, those lips can talk. Cool conversations with creatives. And today I have two really, really interesting creatives with me. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and we're going to find out how they got to be so creative in their lives. Let me just tell you a little bit about my guests and then I will do my housekeeping. We have a bunch of really weird national holidays this week. Well, you hear some of these and then we'll do some famous birthdays and then we'll get started. So let me tell you who I've got. First up, we're going to be drinking in, oh, advice on happiness, (laughs) pandemic isolation, hacks and cures, and business success from Susie Selby, a very beautiful and talented talented lady who is an award winner. She's the owner and winemaker at Selby Winery in Healdsburg, California. And she was kind enough to send me two bottles of white wine today. She overnighted them. I've never had a guest do that. Uh, to lovely lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener, LLL, I'm not drinking on the show, so don't worry. I'll try to try to be, you know, keep, keep steady here. But we're going to have a drink after the show. And joining her on the panel is William L. Sylvanus, and his life has been centered on human services. Somewhere along the line, he became a novelist. He has written so much, published nonfiction articles. He's written adult curriculum for more than 30 years. I'll have to find out what that means. And I started reading his thriller novel, A Certain Mercy. Why are Grand Island's most vulnerable dying violently? It's got a lot of social messages in it. It's uh, a thriller. It's kind of scary. It's got a lot of mystery and very well-developed characters in it. So I'm enjoying the book. So our topic today is take a sip from the creativity fountain. Gulp, drink up. That's right. So I am AKA Radio Red. Let me give you a couple of holidays here. It is, let's see, I'm going to give you the whole week, August 9th was National Book Lovers Day and Women's Day. That was yesterday, Sunday. Today is Monday, August 10th. National Lazy Day. Ooh, Susie Selby, we can do that. And Spoil Your Dog Day. William, if you have a dog, you can spoil your dog. I have to tell my daughter she's got two puppies. Tomorrow, August 11th is National Mountain Day and National Son and Daughter Day. Who knew? That covers everything. August 12th on Thursday, what is he? 10, 11, 12, Wednesday is National Middle Child Day. Okay, that kind of goes with Son and Daughter Day. National Vinyl Record Day. William, do you have any vinyl records around? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Susie, do you have any vinyl records? I do not, darn it. William and I will take turns sending you some. It's okay. (laughs) And it's Purple Heart Day, if you have a purple heart. Thursday, the 13th, is International Left-Handers Day. Either one of you left-handed? No. Neither am I. All right. Well, we'll shout out to our brethren and sisterhood who are. Uh, The 14th is National Financial Awareness Day. I think that's every day of the week. Excuse me. Check your checkbook once in a while. Uh, 15th is National. You're going to love this, Susie. Chant at the Moon Day. Susie, we need Ew. a wine. We need a wine for like Chant that. at the Moon Day. And it's relaxation day and it's back to school prep day. And that means something really interesting this year. We won't go into pandemic news. And the 16th, Susie's gonna like this one, National Rum Day. Susie, nice rum day and day William, for celebration there you go and it's national roller coaster day on the 16th and it's national tell a joke day 
Oh, you get your jokes ready. So those are the days in the national calendar. Let me give you some birthdays. Today, August 10th, it's the 222nd day of the Gregorian calendar where we say thank you to Greg Gregory Gregor. Whatever his mother named him, we like his calendar. We use it. It's the 223rd day because it's a leap year. So there, if that was, didn't confuse you, I'll try even further. Listen up. Susie, this is for you. 147 days to the end of 2020. And I tell everybody every week on this show, Susie, if a liquor store near you or a virtual liquor store opens soon, you've got to order something special for New Year's Eve because we cannot wait for 2020 to be over, right? We'll, yes. We'll yes. take our chances on 2021. So if you're near yeah. Selby Winery, I'm not selling anything, kids, and I don't get a commission. If you're anywhere near Selby Winery, you got to find something gorgeous to celebrate the end of 2020. Yeah, William, it's a big one to celebrate. It is. William, you agree? Something special for New Year's Eve? be a good thing this year very much <laughs> yes let's 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 fast forward already but i always tell Susie, i've been doing this for years on my show i count down to the end of the year if you don't have a date it doesn't matter anymore but you need something wonderful to drink and don't wait till the end of the year because the shelves will be empty we should only be so lucky right Susie? a couple yes. of birthdays today bobby hatfield american singer songwriter he did pass away in 2003 but he was one half of the Righteous Brothers. The rest of them are alive. Betsy Johnson, the very interesting American fashion designer, and her jewelry goes for a lot of money on eBay, even used. I was amazed. Don't, can't pick it up cheap. Ronnie Spector from the Ronettes, born in 1943 today. Patty Austin, one of my favorite singer-songwriters. What a voice. Daniel Hugh Kelly, American actor. He's been in so many shows and movies, I couldn't even keep track of them. Rosanna Arquette from the Arquette family, born today. Mark Price, English drummer. I only say that because happy birthday, Mark Price, because I'm a drummer too. I'm a chick drummer. So, so I am I. Get out. Are you serious? How yep. long have you been drumming? Just a few years. What kind so of music? On, what, kind, wait, uh, no, no. what kind of music? <laughs> we just do uh, 60s, 70s, 80s covers. It's fun. Oh my, I have a little Latin band called Red's Hot Mango. Oh, nice. And we play things like Black Magic Woman and Oyo Como Va and Tequila and La Bamba and uh, P.L. Canela. Nice. And we play some real. William, you like that idea? Yeah, those sound all good. Oh, they're <laughs> I know. good. We have people dancing. Well, I'm in a 55 plus community. We had a darling, I'll say, little old man outside. 60 people filled the street in front of my house last time we played in the garage. We try to be safe. And this gentleman was just moving. He was on the curb and he was and he danced so exuberantly he fell down and somebody from across the street came over picked him up and he continued dancing are you playing during social distancing yes we do people here musicians yes musicians all over my community are playing in their driveways almost every friday we used to have a cocktail party called fridays at five and now it's driveway music at five but it's so hot here in north carolina we play at seven so I'm planning a porch concert on my back porch, which is screened uh, with three, me and two other musicians this coming Saturday night. So you're all welcome to join. So Antonio Banderas was born today, that heartthrob. But the bad oh. news is he just confirmed today he tested positive for COVID-19. But oh. he says he's okay and he's going to take two weeks of isolation to relax and read and write. And he says he'll be fine. So we're, we're sending him our good wishes. Suzanne Collins, very steamy novelist and screenwriter born today. A lady never tells her age, but she was born in 62. Angie Harmon, one of my favorites. She played Detective Jane Rizzoli on the TNT series, Rizzoli and Isles. I thought she was fabulous. And a brief series called The Women's Murder Club on TV. 
I didn't know she was a model as well. And Kylie Jenner, one of the Jenner family, born in 1997. She's a baby. And she is born today. And happy birthday to everyone. So let's get on with the show. And again, a shout out to our most loyal listener, lovely lanky Laura Legs on Long Island. And we're taking up a GoFundMe to raise money to send her to London. Because I have to be able to say lovely lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener in London. But she lives in Whitestone, New York. So it's the wrong letter. I've been, she says she'll move if we raise the money. So we're working on it. Susie Selby, such a pleasure to have you. I have to tell everybody if you're on, well, our viewers can't, our listeners can't see us. We're on Zoom soon. Susie overnight shipped me two bottles of beautiful Whoa. Selby wine. I, I wanted you to embrace the spirit of the brand. Of I'm course. in the spirit. Your label is gorgeous. And this is a 2018 Russian River Valley Chardonnay. And you also very generously sent me a Sonoma County Sauvignon Blanc Russian River Valley Blanc. Excuse me. Blanc. I will enjoy these with great appreciation to you. The best me. part about making wine is sharing it. I assure you. You're it's very, fun. very generous. I'm going to put you on speaker view now. And I'd like you to take about two and a half, three minutes and tell everybody the real story to how Susie Selby got to own a very well-known and well-respected winery in Sonoma. Go ahead, Susie. Welcome. Thank you so much. The uh, It's an unusual story in the wine industry because I am self-taught in winemaking. I have no financing and I learned everything in an apprenticeship environment. And actually, Bonnie, my father was very, very interested in wine. And so I grew up uh, enjoying wine and he was an internationally famous spine surgeon. So I had the opportunity to travel um, quite a bit with my parents and tasted a lot of European wines and French and Italian primarily. So my winemaking is influenced by the fact that I really embraced the old world style of wine. And when we decided to get in the industry, we, we started it together, but my parents wanted to make sure that I really was vested in learning the craft. So I started working at a large winery and I was doing their sales and marketing, but I learned how to drive the forklift. And it turns out that the forklift is the one job that is not gender specific. <laughs> and I was the best forklift driver at the winery. And they sent me up to the cellar to start doing production. And so I would get there. I was the first one there in the morning. I was the last one to leave. And maybe I inherited uh, surgeon's hands from my dad. But technically, I was very, very good at cellar work. But women typically don't get jobs in cellars because they're not physically strong enough. And I... I created my own opportunity by, by being sort of a, a, well, an incredibly good forklift driver and a good cellar worker. And I actually, in the 90s, became the first female cellar master in, in Sonoma County, probably in California. And that just meant I ran, um, I was in charge of all the guys in the vineyards in the cellar. And then in the meantime, my dad and I started the brand together and he was getting ready to buy a piece of property. And uh, you all may be old enough to remember Falcon Crest. I had a Falcon Crest future and um, he actually passed away unexpectedly. Oh. He never bought the land. He never actually mm -hmm. invested in Selby. My family, it, it was, he was only 61. He was very, very young. And so I decided to stay in the industry and I rented a warehouse and I, I started doing all the work myself. I kept my job at the large winery. 
And I, I hung in there and today I produced about 10,000 cases and I'm very proud of what I've accomplished. And, you know, I assure you, I miss my father every day, but you know, the fact that I, I hung in there and I did learn in an apprenticeship style, I, I, no formal education, just learning by being with, with another winemaker and with seller people. So, so that's my background. Susie, I'm so impressed. And you used the word I created several times in your bio. And by the way, call me red. I know a lot of people want to call me AKA ready or red. Just call me red for the show. Susie, I'm so me too. I'm so impressed. The fact that you just made things happen. And, and you're part of the reason that I'm calling this episode, a sip from the fountain of creativity or the creativity fountain, because creating your life's path, I'm not going to get all philosophical and religious and all that. And woo woo creating where you go is what some of us do. We figure it out. We don't have a path that is laid out for us. We don't have a guidebook, go here and go there and get this degree and go to this place and work here and get this title. There's, there's no handbook for life. And you just kept creating and creating. I'm, I'm very, very, very respectful and honored to know you, Susie. Um, well, thank, thank you, Red. And I, I, the only thing I'll add to that is I'm very happy that I did not listen I listened to my heart and not, and not my peers because I, I sort of did it against all odds. And sometimes it's best to not know what you're getting into. So. Absolutely, positively <laughs> true. We'll talk more about drumming. William, I met you at the National Publicity Summit as well, the virtual summit a couple months ago. I know you've waited and Susie's waited a long time to come on the show and I appreciate your patience. William, would you please introduce yourself? But a little birdie told me, that's not your real name. So I'm going to say, will the real mm, stand up? So William, it's up to you. Please join me. Well, yes. And I've been glad to wait because I knew it'd be a great time. I uh, was not born William L. Sylvanus. In fact, William Sylvanus was my grandfather's first and middle names. Hmm. And we added the L, my wife and I, when we were settling on the pseudonym to use for the book. And just gives a little interesting touch of music in the middle of the name, which makes it get remembered both in the musical part of your brain and in the verbal part of your brain. <laughs> but I was born Wayne Melvin Anson. You don't often hear me say the Melvin. I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. I just never have. And uh, I was born in a hospital, take, took home to a house that had no electricity, but did have some running water sometimes. Oh. My dad ran the generator out in the barn. So I was, uh, my sister was playing in the house on her tricycle, which she wasn't supposed to have in there. And she knocked over the ironing board, which had a gas iron, oh, fell under my buggy and lit up on fire. And they picked up all the winter coats and threw them on the fire. And I was fine. But uh, oh. what, a, what a way to start life. Wow. <laughs> um, I chose an to have a pseudonym because a lot of my life has been spent writing religious type literature. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I wrote was adult Sunday school quarterly material. Okay. And I got niched writing how to teach, teach the teacher how to write, I mean, how to teach the lesson. But I did that for quite a few years. And with my title of my book being A Certain Mercy, I'm going like, mm. some people are going to be confused. So I decided to go with the pseudonym. Also, 
because I write the book from a totally reality base, and mm-hmm. I don't mean any disharmony by saying that, but a lot of religious people sort of protect themselves from the kind of realities I'm writing about in the book. Mm-hmm. I also didn't want them to be totally shocked. So that's my reason for having William L. Sylvanus. It's been a great name for me. I've even looked around in public when someone said William once, and it wasn't even anybody that knew me. But uh, it, it was fun. I've had a huge amount of variety in my background. My grandmother taught me as uh, a little boy. She told me a story when she was walking home from school across the prairie, because that was not too long after it settled. There was a gypsy family camped on the side of the road and a little girl playing in the ditch. My grandmother picked up a rock and threw it at the little girl and hit her. And when it hit her and the little girl cried, my grandmother realized that there was a girl just like her behind that label gypsy. Mm. And I hung on to that my whole life. That has governed my multi varied careers I've had. They've all been dealing with people and they've all been with trying to smash labels as of course is what my book is trying to do as well, smash a label and show the humans behind it. Thank you, William. I'm going to call you William rather than, yeah, we'll just go with the William because that's who you are. But William, I have a question for you. Did you wake up one day and say, I think I'll write a mystery novel. I think I'll write a thriller. I've had enough life experience. I think I have an idea about characters and how people talk and act. Or was this something that was a dream from long ago? I'm interested in what was the muse that said to you, I can write a thriller novel. I can do it. When did that happen? Well, I had never written a book before. I had a mentor uh, when I was in college. In fact, he stayed with me, mentoring me until he died, uh, who said, one day I'm going to see a book by you on a, on a stand. And I got to thinking about nonfiction. I'm going like, nonfiction, you know, there's hundreds of things in the religion and they don't really probably won't like what I have to say. And so when I was moving towards retirement, I'm going like, I need to make a little bit of money after retire. I think I'll write a novel. Well, I never write anything unless I have a meaning behind it. And so I discovered I wanted to write it about homelessness. I, uh, through a course I was taking, I helped me do a little research. And uh, then I'm going like, you know, if you want people to pay attention, write a thriller. Because if you write a thriller, they're going to read it all the way through. That's if you write it well and write it good. Right. And they're going to catch the message along the way. And sure enough, exactly what happened. One of the first reviews I had was from a man who said, I never could understand why homeless people choose that lifestyle. You have changed the whole way I see homelessness. The message came through. Mm. Fascinating. Interesting. Susie, you're a writer too. And I've read some of your, I'll call it technical industry writing. And obviously, William, I got to tell you, this lady is so smart. She writes about details of of the, the workings of wineries and how to do the business. Susie, I read it and I said, this is way above my head, way above my pay grade, but I was impressed by how much you know and how well you expressed it. But rumor has it you're writing a book, Susie. Can you tell us about it? Yes, I am writing a book that is really addressing um, experience, the experience of being in a male-dominated industry as a female, and it's it's not it it's not uh, in any way demeaning the male character. It's learning to adapt in an environment which is completely different. Men and women respond to things differently. And 
I was in a position, I'm William, you, you can certainly understand this. You know, when my father passed away, I had, I had no money, I had no power. And um, I had to learn to adjust to my environment in order to be successful. And I never compromised um, my values and I never compromised myself as a female. However, I did have to change the way I responded to things uh, in order to, to be more successful and, and to, to be in the environment. And, um, you know, I, I've been, I was, I was doing a lecture to a group of women and, and somebody said, said, well, you know, did you, you know, were you trying to make a difference? And I said, well, I didn't have that. I didn't have that uh, opportunity. That, that would have been a luxury. You know, I didn't have the luxury to make a difference. What I, what I learned to do was, was uh, get the respect I needed in order to manage a group of men and in order to uh, make sure they understand what I'm saying. And I, I learned how to talk a little bit less emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm writing about it. And I've also had some very interesting experiences along the way. Um, keep in mind, we have, it's art, science, and nature, but we also have a lot of money, a lot of egos, and let's not forget we're throwing in a little bit of alcohol. So it, it makes for it's a little bit of a trifecta, I, I have to say. Well, yeah, As you can that, imagine. That was a beautiful zinger you threw in there, Susie. I said in my opening of the show we were going to learn about happiness, about uh, COVID isolation hacks or workarounds, and business success. Let's talk about virtual wine tastings. I think you're doing some of those, Susie, and I did look at, at some videos you sent and some links to your website. We'll give website for both of you at the end of the show. And I see you do a lot of fairs, a lot of community types of activities with lots of people, and, and you have a stand selling wine or dinner parties or people in a festival atmosphere. So what's your one of your ways, Susie, for navigating the COVID isolation where we just can't go out to a restaurant or a bar or just invite 20 people over for a backyard barbecue. Well, some people are, but not us. Well, so what, what do you suggest? Well, everything is virtual red, as you know. And uh, one thing that I have learned through, through two other major market upheavals is how to adjust to the new environment. And even though everything is virtual, there can still be a sensory experience around it. Um, I, I have, I actually have a little bit of an example sitting beside me. Mm-hmm. Um, like people can have an olive in their home and they can have any red wine and they can taste the olive and taste the red wine and they're going to notice the fruit in the red wine. So there are, there are <coughs> lessons that I can give people even without them purchasing my wine, just having wine on hand. And a lot of it is about pairing, but I've also had done some dinners where um, restaurants are socially distanced and I'm on a screen talking about the food and wine. But but my, my favorite thing to do really is uh, for a group of people to have wine in hand and to be able to describe it. And as as William knows, the art of, the art of description and and being able to bring a a sensory meaning to what you're saying is a new talent I'm learning and and it it makes it it's much more meaningful than something that's simply visual I mean anybody can look at a beautiful dish or a piece of cheese but 
we're now living in a world where it's really important to impart the entire sensory experience verbally. And it's a tremendous challenge. And, you know, talented writers like William, I'm sure you even tried to do that in your books before. So, so it's a, it's a fun new world. It is really the way that I look at it. And you're the first person I've seen or heard, Susie, who said fun new world. William, I'd like you to respond. Any suggestions about this idea of different senses and the sensory perception and small things and living virtually? William, what's your experience as, as you've been part of this global isolation for COVID? William, any advice or suggestions you'd like to add? Seems like I'm online 100% of the time, mm -hmm. uh, either presenting or listening or learning so much so that it's been difficult to find time to write. But uh, Shelby is really, I mean, Susie, I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm really impressed because you have picked up a lot of the skills or at least the awareness of skills that it takes to make good writing. And when people are writing nonfiction, I push them that way. It's like, no, you're gonna write for the emotions. You're gonna write for the senses. You, you want to connect to the people. It's not just enough to give information. It's enough to connect. And that's what connects us. It's our senses. They'll also take you more seriously when you do. So I want to say I admire the way you're approaching it and the way you're approaching the story. You're going to have something that, that's going to be worth reading, very much worth oh, reading. Thank Isn't you. I, your support means a lot. That's very See, kind. we have a new group of friends here. I have to tell my listeners we are on Zoom, and I am so thrilled to be able to see Susie Selby. Susie and, and William as well. We'll find out where you are. Susie, what's your background? You're in the middle of trees. Is it a grove? Is it a forest? Is it is a vineyard? Is it a yard? Where are you? This is actually my courtyard, and I, I didn't want – it almost looks virtual. It's very beautiful back here. <laughs> And um, I, I've done virtual backgrounds with vineyards and I'm, I'm trying to, again, it's, it's funny how we respond to this whole uh, COVID environment. I'm trying to truly, in, in a true sense of the word, I, I want to bring wine country to people because people can't be in wine country. And I'm, I'm starting to do more things where I'm actually physically in a vineyard. I want it to be in the courtyard today, just because it's a pretty environment, but I'm in downtown Healdsburg. I, mm -hmm. I live behind my tasting room. It's like the old days when someone would live behind the gas station and wait for customers to show up kind of thing. But um, so I, so I live in the back of, of where the taste room is, not the winery. And um, it's a very peaceful environment, but I am truly in the heart of what I believe to be one of the most fabulous cities in the entire United States, Healdsburg, California. And I'm literally one block from the town square. So it's, it's lovely here. Well, it's a beautiful environment. And um, I want to say that you have a radio show or is it a TV show, Susie's Courtyard? What's your format there? Susie's, well, obviously this is where we film it. Uh, again, when, when the pandemic started, I, I felt, I'm reiterating what I just said. I felt like wine country really needed to be brought to people because they're not going to be able to come here as easily as they used to. It's, it's not the same. We all know that. And I thought the best way to do that would be to um, start interviewing my wine industry uh, colleagues. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, the wine industry in historically has not been a collaborative industry. It's not that we're cutthroat and compete with each other, but, you know, as 
there's so many different levels. There, there are owners, there are winemakers, there are national salespeople, there are uh, you know hospitality people. I happen, the one unusual thing, quality I have is that I happen to be all of those things and that's pretty unusual. I work in the taste gym, I'm the owner, I'm the winemaker, but I really wanted to bring all elements together and sort of introduce it uh, you know, to the world, if you will. And so I, I, every Wednesday I do a Facebook live and I've, I've gotten such tremendous response, not necessarily even from the viewers, but the, it, it's a comforting feeling. I think when I'm in this pandemic with my last guest was uh, Pete Segacio, who started a, a Salumi factory. And I've had a gentleman named Neil Foster, who owns a court company. I've had some very famous winemakers. Hmm. I think we're all starting to feel like we're in this together. Let's do everything we can. Let's promote each other and support each other. And I just think it's a nice way to let everyone experience other aspects of, of the wine industry, not just, of course, not just Selby wines. That's crazy. Very, very nice. I admire what you're doing. Uh, the live streaming services have certainly made that possible. I had a veterinarian on my show a couple of years ago on radio, and she uh, has a very busy two office practice and she does holistic, creates holistic uh, food for dogs. And she sees a lot of, a lot of patients and she specializes in dogs in advanced age, keeping them healthy and alive. And she decided to just do a, a chat on Facebook one day and, uh, she did have some products on Amazon. She started and 10, 15 people showed up and the next week, I think 150 people and then 400 people wow. showed up and she said her products were flying off the shelves. And then she started doing every single day of the week. And on Friday, she does a private chat where people pay, I think it's 10 bucks a week or 10 bucks a month. And it's martinis with and the name of M name of one of her dogs. And she has and they've asked her for life advice. They've asked her for business advice. They've asked her to be their coaches. And she has made friends all over the world just by doing these Facebook chats. So it's, is, is she actually drinking a martini? I don't curious. know. I never, I never went to one of those, but it's Martini's that's, Maryland. That's a, or that's a fabulous story. Isn't that a great story? I, William, I want to find out where you are. I'm looking at a very interesting room here. I don't know if it's an office or a den, maybe the same thing and a picture behind you. Where are you? And I have some questions to ask you about the process of writing a thriller novel. Cause I know a couple of things. I like to have thriller novelists on the show as well. Many, many times I have. So William, tell us, where are you? What time of the day is it? And what kind of a room are you in right now? Well, where I'm at, it's 6.30 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am in my office, which does sometimes double as the place we watch television because we do not subscribe to any television shows or channels. We don't get cable or anything like that. But we like watching a movie once in a while. So this substitutes because I have a large monitor that's big as a TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, on my shelves are things that I either have worked with, things that uh, have a meaning to me, uh, things that are supposedly keeping me organized. Oh, that's impossible. In fact, earlier today, and still to a degree, and you can't see it, thank God, I had this stack about, well, bigger than what shows with my hands here. It was huge. And I was going through it. So this whole floor, every piece of furniture was covered with pieces of paper, trying to sort them out, catching up from doing a lot of online things. Wow. Uh, so it, that's 
kind of where that piece is. I have been, Red knows that I, I have involved myself in, in politics as far as trying to help bring about um, some sanity to what I call the all out war politics is happening nowadays. Because of that, I have been offering programs on the air about, well, one of them was find your authentic political voice. Another one was uh, five days to talk politics without anger in fear. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting because while I haven't had large audiences, I had international audiences. Really? And one of those has resulted in a request to uh, mentor a man who has a, a big idea, but it's needed in this country of Nigeria. Uh, in Sierra Leone, I have people who are working with, well, they're, they're helping children because, you know, children across the world don't have the freedom we do to get to school unless they have a uniform. They have to have the books, the supplies. And this guy and his partner uh, in, the bit, in the nonprofit is a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old. And they're doing this for kids. They're also helping uh, anybody. They're helping people who have uh, lost a limb, either through health or, you know, Sierra Leone often still has some violence from time to time. Mm -hmm. So they're helping with those people adjust. And uh, um, the one gentleman himself doesn't have a leg because of those kind of things. So, and then over in India, I have a lady who's in the middle of a bunch of flooding right now. And she was sharing it. And all of a sudden, my people online said, oh, wow, you know, they felt bad. And she's actually had some people donate some money for some food. And I have a gentleman I've been talking to for a while. We've really become friends. And he helps the widows and gets buys them saris, buy, helps food for people that way as well. So it's just been amazing to be online and the response. I haven't had the numbers, but on the other hand, wow, what experience I'm having. So you are creating community, William. Can't yes. we say you are creating community by doing what you do, who you are in your way. And people are saying, I want to know you. I want to know the people, you know, I want to help the people, you know, who know, and they're all, we're all to, so in a way it's interesting because we are spending more time online. We have to, that's where our, most of our social connections are. And we know it's safe. I work from home. I'm a full-time radio broadcaster. I've been working from home for years. The pandemic has not changed how I work. It's changed how I play. Susie, I was going to open mic nights all over the Raleigh-Durham-Cary area once or twice a week for months playing drums with great musicians. I won't go back to a club. Now, a lot of them are open. I don't know if people are wearing masks. It's too soon for me. It's too soon. My band, my I'm in a big band, 12 Pieces. We were playing at our clubhouse and practicing rock and roll and blues and jazz. We were practicing every Sunday. And then we had... Concerts planned this year. Our April 3rd concert was pulled and our June 27th concert was pulled. And I don't think we're going to play on October 25th because I think the clubhouse is shut up tight because we're 55 plus and we're supposed to be a vulnerable community. So online, I just got started on Jam Kazam, as a matter of fact. It's very painful. You you know what Jam Kazam is? It's an online yes. music community. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's not um, easy. You need a lot of expensive equipment. I know you need, it's expensive. You need Ethernet to be connected. You need no latency, and it's it's painful. But where my band is trying anyway, William, I have a question, and thank you for sharing that, William. I I'm admiring of your generosity in sharing what you're doing and attracting other people. It doesn't matter if they're two or ten or twenty or five thousand. It. I think we have to stop talking about labels, William. We have to stop measuring our success. 
by the numbers. I know, Susie, you're in business and you need the numbers to keep your winery. And I will know, William, you want to sell books and retire part of your retirement. But we have to stop measuring our popularity by numbers. And we do that all the time. You know, how many listeners do I have? How many viewers? I was doing, been doing public access TV for, I've had my own shows for 20 years. And people say, how many viewers? I said, well, with access TV, you don't get the stats. You don't get the cumes. You don't get that because Cablevision always wanted to shut us down because we were free airtime. So they're not going to give us anything. No, you don't have any. We're shutting you down. No, you're not. It's a legal requirement. But anyway, I just said, people, I would walk into a, a, a restaurant, let's say, at at 10 or 11 at night and a maitre d' would come up and say you need to tape us oh i just watched your show on monday night when i got off my shift at 12 30 in the morning i know who you are i went to court one day to sue somebody for not paying me for a car i sold him and the guy behind me in the courthouse said i know who you are i listen to you on the radio all the time so <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's one i know i know numbers so william i have a question for you yes. i'm going to put you on speaker view I learned recently from some of my British authors who've been on the show that there are two types of writers. Susie, this may apply to you too. This is a British term. You're either a pantser or a plotter. A plotter writes out the outline, which you might do in nonfiction, Susie, writes out the outline. I'm going to have 12 chapters to my book and I want them to be around 20 pages. And in chapter one, I'll do my introduction. Chapter two, I'll talk about women in, in the wine business and, and the challenges. Chapter three, I'll give some case studies. Chapter four, I'll introduce some friends. And you have it all. And then you can just sit down and say, okay, I think I'll write chapter four today because you know exactly what's going in chapter four. You have an outline. William, a pantser is somebody who says, I think I'll write a couple chapters in my mystery novel today. Let's see what I, oh, I had a good cup of coffee. I'm ready to go. I'm going to write for two hours. They just sit down and they write and write and write, whatever it is. And then you say, okay, I think that'll be the beginning of my story. A pantser is by the seat of your pants. William, which one are you? <laughs> well, I'm closer to being the plotter, but ah. we do some things in common. For instance, that pantser can't sit down and just write. They are writing things that have been percolating in that brain for a long time. Yes. And that's the way my, my uh, novels start. Uh, they are all my writing, but they, they were, this novel was percolating in my brain for a long time. And so ever, whenever something came along that I thought would be good, I'd grab it. Or I'd write a little snippet here and a little snippet there and shove it in a folder. And then what I did is I took all those pieces, I put them in my computer, just printed them out. And then I cut each of them out separately, laid them out in the order that I thought the novel should go. Mm -hmm. And then once I had that, I taped those all together, put them on a big piece of butcher block paper and put them on the wall in front of me. And that was my outline. Wow. So you were kind of a pantser in the beginning and then you became a plotter. Could we say that? Yes. Yes. Because then I started being very careful about all the things that make it good writing and the flowing and, you know, planting the I call them the red herrings early in the book and uh, making sure the pace allowed a little bit of break so somebody wasn't totally over overwhelmed because my, my novel is very intense. Uh, and I had to stop and think, you know, how can I do this? Uh, who should be speaking? All of that kind of things. Uh, but I could do that because I knew kind of where the things were going. I knew who most of the victims were going to be. I had uh, sat down and developed character sketches on every one of them. Uh, so I knew what colors they like, what foods they like, what their background was, what their family was, so that they were like real people. And uh, I could put them together into a real live action. 
So that's kind of how I approach it. That's the way I'm working on my second one. Like I said, I haven't done doing much writing since with the coronavirus. Uh, but it's going to be about a psychopath. People are going to learn about psychopathy by going through this thriller of a woman who's charged with murder by suicide and the death of her husband. And uh, yeah, going to be a lot of surprises in that book. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying putting the pieces together and I'm anxious to get it written. <laughs> what? Now, Susie, thank you for that. So he's a combo, whether he admits it or not. Susie, how are you going about writing your book? Is it a, you know exactly how much you want to cover, which chapter is going to be what? Or are you just saying, I think I'll write an hour and a half a day in between doing wonderful winemaking and whatever comes out, comes out, and then I'll organize it later. What do you think, Susie? Well, I've, I've typically been a panter. And pant, correct? And I I need to be more of a plotter so that I can get organized. And now that now that we're in the pandemic, I I really try to have a defined period of time to devote to writing. But I when something you know, both of you know this, when you get excited about a thought or a concept it's hard not to just jump in and write it at once. And one of the things I don't do anymore is when I'm excited about a concept or I'm ready to write, then I just write. And right now my, I'm, I'm working. It's really, it's sort of strange. I, I'm working more than I was before the pandemic, which in a way doesn't make sense because I was traveling like crazy, but you know, even while you're traveling, you have downtime on airplanes or hotel rooms and, now I feel like all I do is work. And so I'm, I'm trying to be more of a plotter and making sure that I, I choose a time of day and let my staff know that that's what I'm going to be doing. And so I think um, this COVID environment is a little more conducive to being more scheduled than we used to be. So I'm, I'm an aspiring plotter now, <laughs> but you two will laugh when you know what I'm reading right now, by the way. What I'm are you reading? reading? Uh, Stephen King's The Stand. What is it? Tell me what that's about. What is it about? Stand? It's a book Stephen King wrote in the 90s about a, a world pandemic. And Stephen King, the, I, I, the reason I started writing Stephen King is I saw a quote by him. This may not be exactly true, but first of all, he said, I'm sorry if any of you feel like you're living in one of my novels right now. You know, haha. But then he said, the, he said, the, the, uh, road the road to hell is paved with adverbs he said something like that which i thought was so clever but anyway so he's he's an incredibly descriptive writer he he definitely puts you in the moment but so that my my side thing is reading the stand which is a, a little close to home but but in between i've been trying to write as much as possible the road to hell is paved with adverbs. Oh my! I would say the road. Something. My my favorite pet peeve is the word amazing. The road oh. to hell is paved with. It was an amazing lunch. It was an amazing book. I had an amazing time. And after a while, how amazed could you be in twenty four hours? <laughs> There's got to be a leveling off somewhere to something. Um, yes. Anyway. Oh. My other pet peeve is when I listen to newscasters, I'm, I'm just going to say this, 
who can't speak a sentence without saying kind of, sort of. We kind of have an interview with Susie Selby, and we're sort of going to find out what she knows about wine. And we're kind of going to meet with William Sylvanius, and we're sort of going to find out. It's like, are you meeting with them or not? And it always shocks me that news people who get paid to be professional newscasters fall back on these. The road to hell to me is paved with sort of, kind of, and like, you know. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I well, actually... you're not a sort of kind of gal <laughs> at all. I, you know, and I, I'm a fan. I, I, you're definitely decisive. It's a fabulous, uh, fabulous trait. You're very, very kind. I want to get some advice. I'm looking at the clock. We have about 11 minutes left, and and I'm really enjoying the conversation. As I tried to warn both of you, my show is not an interview. It's just people talking about creativity, and there's so much in both of you. I, I admire both of you for what you do and how you do it. Let's just do a little advice here. Uh, Susie, happiness. How do we find happiness in these tough times? We talked about virtual tastings and, and the ability to be more visual and, and to talk to people more and use the online op- opportunities. But what's happiness for you? What would you recommend to people other than finishing a case of Selby Chardonnay from the oh, Russian River, yeah. River? I know that would make it people happy in you too. But w- what's your advice on happiness for these times? And William, then I'll ask you. Go ahead, Susie. Well, I, I, think, I think COVID is an incredibly great time to appreciate very, very small things I'm starting to appreciate uh, food and cooking. And I think we all have so many inner talents and we finally have a great excuse to discover them, whether it's Mm. painting. I mean, there's no better excuse. It's a great time to be alone. And it is a great time to, to find every single talent you have. Susie, are there any wines that are particularly appropriate for in, in the white family for, for example, is there a wine that's appropriate for pensive moments when you want to write poetry? Or is there a red that's appropriate for when you oh. want to do a fireside chat with 15 friends on Zoom? What do you, any recommendations? I'd love to hear. Absolutely. I would say that Chardonnay is the perfect white when you want to be pensive and write poetry yes. because it's creamy, it has a very long finish like a good novel and it also is balanced and luscious and goes with everything now as far as reds go um i don't know my i think anything red is fabulous including you (laughs) (laughs) oh wait a minute i was gonna say the check is in the mail but but you've already sent me the wine so thank you very much you're you're very very sweet and kind william what is your recommendation for happiness these days what do you and and let's keep it not not political but what what your what people can do right now is writing something that you see uh uh, something that could become a passion. I love the way Susie said it's a time to, and Susie, I paint. I have so many paintings. I'm doing two to three 16 by 20s in a weekend oh, every nice. week. I am running out of wall space in my big house to hang my, I have 50 paintings right now. I just can't stop. William, what do you recommend? What's making you happy these days? Go ahead. My recognition, or my recommendation during the COVID is do something that gets you outside of yourself. Mm. Connect. Connect with somebody. Think of something you can put on that Facebook account if you have one that's going to make somebody feel nice or reach out to a friend you haven't had time to connect with. Uh, 
or join a conversation that you saw somewhere. Just connect to people because that's going to help them feel more happy as well because they're going to have that human touch back into their life. So that's that's what I recommend. Yes, the quiet times are good. They're good for reflection, but we get we can become both lonely and too introspective, which is not healthy for us on a long-term basis like this thing here. And so do something, get outside of yourself, but use the use the internet or whatever it takes for you to do that. Telephone calls. Thank you. Oh, somebody had a little warning there. Susie, advice for women who want to break into a male-dominated field, which could be, I'm doing a radio show on one of my other series, Women in Automotive, and there weren't that many years ago, and now there are women in leadership roles in automotive all over the world. I'm doing a show in September with a panel of four different different series that I do. Uh, so what's your advice? If there's a woman who says, I like to drink wine, I think I might have the moxie, the strength, the creativity. I want to have a I don't know, a Reds brand. I don't know, whatever whatever they might want. What's your advice for women trying to break into a male-dominated field? I know you're writing a book my, on it right yeah, now. My, my advice is to uh, sit back and observe the industry. And really observe, really concentrate, and look for potential weaknesses in the industry, meaning that um, mm. even though there may not be women why aren't there women? If you a- answer that question first, and, and in the wine industry, for instance, it's because they aren't strong enough. That's why they don't, in general. Mm-hmm. And if you find the jobs that will, will allow you to um, become in the best management position that you can, because you have to start by remembering that people, no matter who they are, do not want to report to someone they don't respect. So figure out the best way to gain that respect and the best position that you can be in that you can physically and emotionally and intellectually handle. You are so right. And is there room in the wine industry for newcomers, Susie? Just real oh, bottom line. Of course, of course. There, there's, there's room in every industry for newcomers. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. William, novelist. Yes. Can anybody write a novel? Can Susie sit down? Susie, I think you ought to think about writing a novel. Maybe William could mentor you on uh, uh, mysteries in a winery, something happening behind the casks or in between the picking of the grapes. And I want you to get blockchain in there. You know, the provenance of the wine, where were the grapes planted and who touched them and who processed them? And when did Susie bless them? I'm saying that with love. I'm not, not making fun. William, what's your advice for somebody who wants to write? I want to sit down and write a novel. What do you suggest, William? First, let me say to Susie that, you know, lots of great uh, love stories have been written that center on wineries and uh, wine growing regions. Uh, my advice for someone who would like to write a novel is to write down whatever comes to your mind and see what begins to form. Uh, don't worry about outlining <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> the key to writing a novel is you have to write. So get yourself into the habit of writing something every day or a certain number of days a week, write something. And if you can't think of anything that would be relative to your novel, don't matter. Just write, I can't think of anything today. I can't think of anything today. I can't think of anything today. Take a deep breath and probably you're going to think of something. So then as that comes together, you know, you're, you don't most people don't sit down and say I want to write a novel who don't have some story in their mind something that it connects 
family life, something they read in the newspaper, whatever. Uh, what that interest is in, then just go right around it, right? Write a novel around that. Decide on who the characters were, what made it, what makes it good, you know, what the emotions are, what do they look like? The more you do those little pieces, the more you're set to go ahead and sit down and organize it into that novel you want to write. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And Susie, what's your suggestion for a woman who wants to start drumming late in life? Like, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been playing a year and a half, by the way. Brad, this it. is this is crazy. I was supposed to be the keyboard player in this band. I what? played the piano. My and a, a gentleman came on board who was playing the drums and he was better on the keyboards. And in fact, he was also our lead singer and he, he, it was hard for him to do the lead singing and drum at the same time, but he could do the keyboard. So I got shifted to the drums. I said, well, let me just try it. And I think, um, I think because of my piano background, it, it or maybe forklift skills for whatever reason, I'm a natural. <laughs> I'm not great, but I'm a natural. And I don't say that about anything I've ever done in my life. And I love it. It is cool to be a drummer. It, it is cool to be a, be a drummer. Funny, when I go to these open mics, I always dress black dress. I think you know me by now. And a jacket or a sweater and jewelry and my curly red hair and makeup. And uh, I, I have little red suede booties with about a two and a half inch heel that are red with a little design on them. Like, uh-huh. I know they're almost like a paisley, but they're red on red and they don't make them anymore. I buy as many as I can on, on eBay when I find them uh, new. And uh, anyway, I go up there and it must be a hundred degrees in this little band area in this club called The Corner in Cary, North Carolina Shopping Center. And all these guys are in t-shirts and shorts and they're cool. And I make my way to the back where the drums are and I adjust the seat and I bring my red tip sticks and I'm playing my theme song. You're going to like this. I think it's Mustang Sally. And sometimes I'll play Miss You by the Stones. Da, 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 da. And sometimes I'll do um, uh, I'll do something like um, Keep Your Hands to Yourself, the Georgia Satellites. Yeah. And so I'll mix it up. They, you bring three songs. And one night, I have to tell you real fast here, one night they were so happy with me. And these musicians are wonderful, much more experienced than I am. My three songs went almost 29 minutes together. They didn't stop playing. They kept well, doing yeah. Chorus Ma- after Mustang chorus. Sally can and people love it. Go I forever. Bet, and my, I bet people are shocked when you sit down at the drums too. Oh, they, that's wonderful. It's like I didn't see that coming. Who is she? <laughs> what planet did she drop? Exactly. Into? And my uh, friends in the audience were gonna send up a relief drum because it must have been a hundred degrees. I'm in black tights and suede boots and a black uh, dress and a long sleeve jacket, and it's a hundred degrees, and uh, I'm playing and playing and playing. And I'm thinking, oh my god, she's gonna pay. I couldn't even walk when I got up to leave almost a half hour sitting in that chair. I have a I miss that. I miss that dearly. And that's what COVID took away. I have to close the show. So I want to say, Susie Selby, you're a, a wonderful role model. You're a lovely person. You're beautiful. You're talented. And I'm so admiring of you and your forklift skills. Let's just leave that one on the table. William Sylvanus, whatever you you want to call yourself, formerly Wayne Melvin Anson. I'm never going to forget that one. Thank you for your novel. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for doing the work you do. And I know you have a lot of very serious endeavors as well. And thank you to Josh, our engineer. We're just about ready to say goodbye. Thank you to everybody for listening on the Voice America Variety Channel. I'm AKA Radio Red and let's just wave goodbye, everybody. Be well, be safe. If it's appropriate, wear your damn mask. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a positively cool creative week.